0: Hi, friends, and welcome to Not Your Parents' Religion podcast. I am your host, Pastor Robert Young, where we provide biblical answers to today's tough questions. And welcome to 2023. I hope that has found you in a wonderful position. Now, when we're out in our communities doing evangelism work, we get asked this question all the time Mr. Young or Pastor Young, I can't understand the Bible. How do I understand the scriptures? Now we're going to jump right into a pre-recorded session talking about biblical interpretations. So join in, call up a friend, tell them to join in on the podcast today. So our learning objective is to understanding the Bible in proper context. Obviously is critical to understanding God's ways and what He wants from our lives. It's very important. One of the biggest reasons why people are confused about religion nowadays is because they're taking the Bible out of context. They're saying it says this and that and the other and it's not saying that or if it is saying that it's not saying it to that person. There's a familiar scripture that people Christians like to quote all the time. Um, but we know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to this purpose. And people who are not saved try to use that scripture That doesn't apply to you because it said, we know that all things work together for good to them who love the Lord. There's a little stipulation there. And their definition of love, as we discovered some weeks ago, and God's definition of love is two different things they want to love God the way that they want to love him, not the way he said he has to be loved. So with that being said, I found a great quote from a guy called Paul W. Ferris Jr. Um, And he's in my um, portable seminar book. And here's how he's put it. To more clearly understand scriptural text, one needs to understand the setting, the physical setting, the cultural setting, and the literary setting that God chooses as or God chose as He gave humanity His Word, and it just makes sense that if you don't understand some of the background of what's going on, you can get things a little confused. Now, because we're talking about proper interpretation, we know that Second Timothy, the book of Timothy, is being written to um, a young protege of Paul. Paul left Timothy in charge of the church at Ephesus. When you read the book of Ephesians guess who the pastor is of that church? Timothy. And others. And I say that because we found out that churches back then had more than one speaker or one leader. It wasn't just, it's all my way or the highway. They had multiple leaders. Now, granted, somebody probably took, had the final say. But 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul is simply telling Timothy... Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. In other words, study these scriptures so that you'll know what you're talking about. Don't be giving people misinformation. Eight out of the ten books or however many books Paul wrote, he kept on talking to the various, the different churches, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, the Philippians, about false teachers coming in and to be on guard as far as the doctrine or the teaching that you're spreading because in the last days there'd be many different philosophies out there doctrines out there and not to get messed up and mingle those with the gospel of 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 jesus because otherwise we get pretty much what we have now people don't know jesus from from buddha or jesus from muhammad and thinking that well they're all great thinkers well jesus was a little bit more than a great thinker In fact, he declared himself, Jesus, that is, that he was actually God. Buddha never claimed that. And Buddha didn't raise himself from the dead either. So Mark chapter 8, verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias and others, one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. 1 Timothy 4 and 8. For bodily exercise profit is little, but godliness is profitable to all things. What in the world does that have to do with anything you say? We're going to get into that. Um, when it comes to the proper interpretation, and I think that this needs to be preached more in churches so that do you remember the scripture that we read in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 where it said that the gifts of God before Jesus ascended on high he left gifts you know the apostles the prophets the pastors the teachers and the evangelists for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints so that everybody would grow up and not be and not fall to the various teachings that's coming through the one where you whatever you put out into the universe You attract it back to you. Whatever you put out, it comes back to you. So wait a minute. Did Jesus put out beatings? Because he certainly got it back, didn't he? Did Jesus put out betrayal? He certainly got that back to him, didn't he? Did Jesus put out any of the the stupid stuff that came upon him? No. For that matter, did Buddha do that? No. Did Mohammed do that? We don't know. (laughs) But anyway, it's a falsehood. It's a false teachings that's out there. When it comes to Christness, Christlikeness. But because people don't know their word, don't know the scripture, they'll fall into this stuff because it sounds good to the ears. It sounds good. And it's got a little itsy bitsy piece of the truth, but it's a far, far cry from the truth. That's why he said in Ephesians so that they will not be tossed to and fro by every new doctrine that comes along. Every new philosophy that comes along, every new saying that comes along—you've heard all of the sayings and the clichés and the platitudes and all of that stuff—and they're powerless. So, with that in mind, what are some of the rules of proper interpretation? I would say they're the same rules that we apply to any, anything, anything that we're trying to interpret—constitution, uh, any writings. We need to. Figure out what is the cultural context. What do I mean by that? Is it something that God just spoke to that particular people for a reason? We know that to be true, don't we? And we got an example. The circumcision is a perfect example of that. Um, God instituted the act of circumcision as an outward covenant between him and his people, not him and the whole world. Because remember, he wasn't even dealing with the whole world at that time. He was just dealing with the Hebrew people. And keep this in mind. He said to them, and I can't remember what book of the Bible it was, I said, listen, I didn't choose y'all because y'all special or better than anybody else. Don't get it twisted. It wasn't that you were better than the other nations of the world. I chose you because I chose you. So that kind of levels the playing field. Now, now that he has chosen, well, we see what happened." Say, listen, I want you on the seventh or the eighth day to do this act as a sign to me that you're with me. This is a covenant. Kind of like when on February 14th, we took this covenant with this outward sign of a covenant and put on her finger and said, from now on, you don't look at another man and I don't look at another woman. You're mine and I'm yours. It's a covenant. It's a relationship. It's a binding agreement. And that's what theirs was. He did not want that to be instituted to the whole world, even though he wanted the whole world to be saved. How do we know that to be true? Because in the New Testament, we went over that, I think last time we were together, where there was some of the Hebrew or Jewish people going, making disciples, true enough, but saying, listen, in order to be really saved, you got to be circumcised. And then there was others those like, wait a minute, I don't don't know if God wanted that for the non-Jewish people. And they had a big council. Paul was there, one of the head apostles was there, and he didn't just make the final decision. We talked about that when we talked about accountability, because he could have just made the final decision, because he was the one, he was the apostle to the non Jewish people. Yet Paul or Peter and the others were mainly pros, uh, apostatizing, uh, evangelizing, excuse me, Jewish people, whereas Paul specifically was for the non Jewish people as it worked out. And we know why it worked out that way. So anyway, he could have made that decision, but he didn't. He relied on the wisdom of the group instead of of the council. So the final decision was, listen, we're not going to tell these non-Jewish people that they have to be circumcised in order to be saved. That's out. We believe that God doesn't want that. So in that context, that cultural context, we see that circumcision is a cultural thing. Now, we here in America, we circumcise our young boys for hygienic reasons and other reasons, but it has nothing to do with them being saved or not saved. It's nothing to do with that. So that is an example of a cultural context. If you were talking to someone and you, say, you know you got to be circumcised to be saved, and you hear people saying crazy stuff that you know is not true in the Bible because they're reading it out of context, historical context. What kind of example can we find of his, historical context? First Timothy 4 and 8. There's also a literary context. Did you know that there's different forms of languages in the Bible? There's poetry in there. There's, um, what is the literary language? Where it's foretelling of the future. So you can't l- read that literally. And you know, of course, the book of Revelation is all figurative. It's not, you can't just take it literal. But if you don't know that, you think that, oh, I can just take this little, no. They're using symbols and, and, and symbolism throughout the book. But if you think that this is just a literal book or that particular book, then you're going to get confused and you're going to go off thinking the Bible says this when it really doesn't. Someone said to me, well, God is punishing God. He, he had baby slaughter. Again, whether that's true or not, they're taking it out of context. We need to know who he was talking to. When he starts to talk about wives, here's the responsibility of a wife. If you didn't hear that first few um, words in that sentence and you hear the rest of it and don't realize that he's talking to wives and you're a husband, then that doesn't apply to you. You can still learn something from it, but it doesn't apply to you right so anyway literary contact if we know that some of these psalms are actually songs s-o-n-g that david was singing it takes on a new connotation doesn't it yeah. but if we think it's just word for word and we can take it literal and we can because david was singing about it but we need to know the different language forms or forms of language that's in the Bible. Um, parables, for example. What is a parable? What is the purpose of a parable? Can you take it literally? The parables that Jesus told, were they real stories or was he just creating a story to illustrate a point? Oh, wait a minute, I just gave the definition, didn't I? <laughs> but if you don't know that, you walk away thinking, Jesus lied. There's no way that could have happened. Hi friends, this is Pastor Young. Let me interrupt the podcast at this point. We've given you a lot of information to digest in one setting. Perhaps we'll finish up next week on how to interpret the Bible, but I want to put uh, some resources in the description box below this, this episode that you can go and check out for yourself. This is the assignment that um, homework assignment that we like to give so that You can be proactive in your understanding the Bible and growing closer to God. Now, if you have been listening to the podcast and you think that you might want to get to know this Jesus Christ, then the Bible lets us know that this is not a complicated process. He simply wants a relationship, a fellowship with you. He wants to be your friend, your savior, and your guide in this world that will bring you joy and peace and happiness despite what's going on in the world. So the first thing we have to do, according to the scriptures, is to admit that we are sinners and that God sent his only begotten son to pay the price for the forgiveness of our sins. And if we say that we haven't sinned, then we're going against what the scripture says, because the scripture plainly says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans tell us that if we were born through human humans, then we are counted as sinner because we still have that same propensity to commit sins, and God wants to wash us of that and change our very spiritual nature. So repeat after me, if you are sincere that you want to get to know Christ as your Savior. Father, forgive me of my sins. I realize that I am a sinner, and I believe that Jesus Christ came down and died on that cross for so that I could be forgiven. I receive him now as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I want, I desire a relationship, a fellowship with you. And I ask that you would fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost that will begin the sanctification or the purifying of my soul process. He, the Holy Ghost will keep me and bring back to my remembrance the things that you have said to me through the reading of your word. I receive this now in the name of Jesus. I believe it and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, friends, if you have said that with a sincere heart and you really want God in your life, then you have started the process. And the process doesn't end with just your confession, which is a wonderful thing, but it also. God requires us to be in fellowship with other believers so that we can receive that continual encouragement, edification, and sometimes accountability. God wants to be our friend. He wants to be with us no matter what is going on in the world. So I'm going to recommend that you find, search on the internet, find a good Bible believing church and go there and be not only go to get a blessing but also to be a blessing this thing that you've just entered into now is the best thing that could ever happen to you or anyone else so until next time you know the numbers to call the emails to call uh, 585-331-3424 and leave a, a voicemail message for us a question that you want answered or if you just want to talk further for edification, and clarification, give us a call at the number in the description box. And we will see you next time on Not Your Parents Religion Podcast. I am your host, Pastor Robert Young.